0: Did you know about the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule? It's also an aphorism which asserts that 80% of outcomes result from 20% of all causes for any given event. Typically in a business, a goal of 80-20 rule is to identify inputs that are potentially the most productive and make them the priority. Now, map that to the world test championship final, and India's performance. How did we perform? What did we do? If 100% was the total team performance, 54% were underperformers, Kohli, Bumrah, Pujara, Rohit, Ajinkya, Gil. 18% were the middle performers, Ashwin and Ishanth, and 27% with Shami, Pant and Jadeja constituted the top performers. Given the performance that we gave, and clearly as it turned out, that was not enough. So then, how do we measure what was done well and what could we have done better. There are three things that we need to think about. Belief, attitude and technique. Join me in this fascinating experience where I dive deep into these three facets of Team India's performance and see what we could have done better to win the World Test Championship. Well hello and Welcome to the Gyanban Experience. A simple talk in the middle of a complex existence. Be it news, views, politics or country, movies, web series or a documentary, people, society or culture shock, expression of freedom or a mental block. We just do simple straight talk. If you are the types to sit up and think, then turn up the volume and don't blink stir up your coffee monk or bordeaux you're listening to the right show and though we can't unscramble your scrambled egg it's no round hole in a square peg don't just sit there on the fence come on jump into the Gyanban experience sport is a great leveler cricket is a great leveler, right? You win some, you lose some, it all evens out in the long run. Yet, the very same logic defeats the purpose of singularity, of intent, of a pursuit of excellence. Basically, the result is what defines how well you have managed the process, isn't it? Sentiment which says winners have trophies while losers have philosophies. And so as Team India licks its wounds over a lost opportunity at the World Test Championship, let's find out what are the two or three things that one could have done better. To understand that, let's divide the total performance, say 100%, if 100% is the total performance, how did the players fit in that 100%. So when I say 54% were underperformers, who were the underperformers? Kohli, Bumrah, Pujara, Rohit, Ajinkya and Gill constituted the 54% of underperformers. Who were the middle performers? Ashwin and Ishant, And who were the top performers? Shami, Pant and Jadeja. Now this could obviously go a little bit up or down mix you know you want to tweak one name up or tweak one name down but what what firmly remains intact is the 54% of underperformers What do you mean? How do you define underperformance? Well, you define underperformance not just by what they executed on the field, but the impact they made on the game. So what impact did Virat Kohli make on the game? What impact did Jaspreet Bumrah make on the game or Pujara, Roheta, Ajinkya and Gil? And when you have almost a whopping 54% of your superstars, top performers, boosters, not firing on all cylinders, How do you expect a team to win? Well, then the load bearing is on the balance 18 and 27 percentage people. So Ashwin and Ishant, in the middle, they did what they could. Given the limited opportunity that Ashwin had, perhaps being underbowled or not cleverly or intelligently used, they did what they could. And then the top performers, that of Shami, Pant and Jadeja who had sporadic performance hikes, if you will, not consistently enough. So with whatever performance Team India put on the park, even the fact that there were three or four players who did above average kept India in the game for some part. But largely we were never going to win the game basis all this. So what are the three pillars that one needs to measure both the teams on one is belief number two is attitude and number three is tactic so let's dive in and find out what the bat score is for both the teams number one belief let's compare the belief quotient for both the teams india new zealand there is no you, you might think that this is a no-brainer, right? Both the teams wanted to win very obviously and clearly they worked hard for it and fought for it and everything. So then are we saying both the teams believed in winning the championship equally? I guess the answer is yes, but their approach has been totally different. Different and how so? So, one was quiet, understated, strong resolve, and the other was outspoken and belligerent, if you will. Now, you might argue that what's wrong in expressing your emotions or wearing your passion on your sleeve? I mean, it breathes life into the sport, and that's who we are. That's a, that's a representation of who India is, or the modern, or the young India is. That's an argument or sentiment. But if this sentiment, passion, is not winning you big matches and big tournaments and big semifinals and finals, then somewhere this sentiment is misplaced or is clearly not working. If it's working, the proof of the pie is in the eating. And for the last 7, 8, 9, 10 years, we haven't seen it work so well. Belief is good as long as it is not a wishful thinking. And not to say that either India or New Zealand had any wishful thinking, but how badly you want it is perhaps that we will never know is something that we'll only hear from the players themselves that if you want something badly, you do get it because then you override your natural instincts. And fall in line and get into discipline of trying to do the right things, which simply put means play to the occasion, play for the moment, raise your game, go beyond your natural instinct, curb your normal mistakes, and you play out of your skins. That's what it means wanting it badly, that you transcend the normal and produce something that you have never produced before, do something that you have never done before that's when you are slated for greatness. So which also means that you do not get out to regulation, poor shorts, fishing outside the off stump. You do not bowl short half trackers which at 120 kmph make no sense or not get into the line and length or read the conditions well. these are Elementary dear Watson, these are the basics that you need to do correct. Oftentimes, it is not about the excellence that you bring to the park. On the contrary, sometimes it's also playing within yourself and ensuring that you do what is the need for the hour. Be game aware. That's what I was searching for. Be game aware so that you don't need resorting to heroics. Part of the reason Heroics is not my favorite subject is because, you know, turns out Superman is only one, and he might not need the job. It's the series of Clark Kent's that do the job for you day in, day out. In reality, right? In, in a comic world, Superman is available every day, I guess. But in, in real life, you need to be the Clark Kent to... Keep doing it over and over again instead of relying on one-off heroics and if you go back a few years especially the phase of 2015 through 2020 or 2021 many of the most memorable victories have been because of an individual heroic performance be it Rishapant be it Ashwin be it Bumrah in 2018 those Heroics have come out, yet the most consistent team wins when perhaps there are no single superstars as much. But even if there are, everybody else steps up their game and goes above and beyond their natural game. You know, we have this big conversation in the cricketing circles where oh he was playing his natural game. Well, if your natural game is not winning you matches more often... That's the operative word there in case you missed it. you playing your natural game may win you one-off games here and there. Then you continue doing that, but if it is not winning you games more often, case to point, say Rishabh Pant, say if you played 100 games, if Rishabh Pant wins us, say less than 10% of the matches playing his natural game, does it still warrant him to play the natural game? Alternatively, if being more disciplined, going against the grain makes you win, say, 20% of the matches or 30% of the matches, is that not worth pursuing? So. I am like that only approach or this is how I am kind of approach sometimes could be counterintuitive. And one needs to be very mindful of that, that you can only say that if you can replicate that model. I am like that only is not a replicable model of success. uh, This is not me and I'm still doing it is a replicable model because you're following prescribed paths or steps that you need to go from point A to point B. This is how you win or give yourself the best chance at winning. So, to sum up the first section, belief, yes, everybody wants to be the world test champion. No, to even Bangladesh wanted, with all due respect, or Pakistan must have wanted it. No two is about it. What are you doing about it? How are you playing your sport that you ensure victory more consistently than your opposition? Not just in big matches, but smaller matches. Not just in one innings, but consistently inning after inning or spell after spell that is when you go above and beyond and to in my assessment i think the kiwi team did that better given the limited opportunities they had at their disposal number 2 attitude when you talk about attitude team india's name will certainly surface clearly we've we are no longer the nice good Friendly blokes who kept losing matches. Now we are the fiery brand who win lot more than our previous generation of cricketers ever did. Not that they were any lesser talented, but they never had the killer instinct, which arguably the Pakistan cricket team of the nineties had in abundance. They had like extra three drums of killer instinct. They would win matches from nowhere and so on and so forth. So we have heard that story many times, but. Cut to 2021, it's Team India, where we are known for our fiery cricket, owing to our firebrand captain Kohli. Turns out that what works for you may not work for the rest of the team. Case to point, the three test matches in Australia, where Kohli was missing in action. Now, clearly, what could, and I'm not judging uh, Mr. Kohli for abandoning his team or Uh, being there for the family these are tough calls and individual calls I respect the captain for their decision there is a sizable chunk of the audience who would believe that there is nothing that transcends not even family that transcends national representation at any cost right so imagine a soldier at the border saying look no I don't want to fight the war right now I need to probably go back home and be with the family now Again, ideas not to be judgmental. There are priorities, but I, I can safely say that there are more number of sports people who have the privilege of representing the country at a national level who would sacrifice this uh, personal family milestone and once in a lifetime milestone. It's it's no you know uh, little sacrifice. It it is a very big sacrifice to not be there at the time of the birth of your uh, child. So, but it happens in everyday life There have been successful people at work who have been on critical meetings or business decisions where they had missed many, many important family uh, situations. And it's a price you pay. Clearly it's a price you pay for how much you want to represent your country, your passion, your Foremost, and it is always going to be difficult to balance work and life. That's how the society that we live in is designed. But not to belabor the point. The point is, in Mr. Kohli's absence in the three tests, did the team look a little more settled? It could be purely optics, and ever since that, you know, there have there has been consistent commentary both from the captain and the coach that look it was not just the three test matches it is a process of five years that has resulted in the victory of three test matches well if that statement were to hold true then we should have won the world test championship final as simple as that right something that you set in motion as a process should not generally get derailed and unless you do something stellarly unspectacular or stellarly unpredictable None of the stuff that has happened has been stellarly unpredictable. And what process are we talking about? The same set of mistakes keep happening. And I won't go too far in the past, it's say 2014 through 20. Largely the same mistakes have happened. So, for example, if in Team India committed 10 mistakes at the start of 2014, by the end of 2020 or middle of 2021, we are still committing the same seven of them are still repeating. What, What, for example, think of the tail-enders not being able to score more than 50 runs. That has been consistent. There could have been an exception here and there. But largely, that still holds true. We are still struggling with the seeming ball. That still holds true. We are fine bowlers who get the top batsman out, somehow take the foot off the pedal, or somehow lose it, or get tired. And struggle to get the bottom four of the opposition team out. These are some of the consistent ways of dismissal that oppositions have um, uh, have targeted in Team India and gotten big success fishing outside the off stump. Now, one would argue that well, everybody gets out uh, outside the off Well, you they are not Team Number One. You are. So what does team number one do that they don't do the same mistakes that team number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten do? That is why you are team number one, that you do not repeat what others do. So if others are fishing outside the off stump and getting caught, flashing their bat at the third stump, fourth stump, then that's not what you do. If, If team number three to 10 can't pitch the ball further up in swinging and seeming conditions then that's what you do. That is why you are number one and if you aren't able to do that then why are you number one? So how did you get to number one? Was it by chance, by fluke? If it is a process then it should happen, right? So clearly the attitude of wanting something badly has to be backed with action consistent action and it's closely tied with the belief that the attitude you want to have is that I will go above and beyond my normal self to play a level of sport that is higher than ordinary, than higher than the rest. That is when I know I am extraordinary. And that's something that I thought New Zealand's team did better while understating them, almost if i might strongly use the word misleading the world into believing they are the good guys they well they smile a lot and there is no aggress- visible aggression there is no expression of passion and shouting or jumping around they just quietly go about doing their job and somewhere if you go through the twitter timeline or some of the commentary that's been doing you know people say well it hurts less because uh, it was the kiwis i'm like a loss is a loss is a loss, whether you lose to uh, New Zealand, Bangladesh, Pakistan, it should hurt as hell. And to me, it does. There is no distinguished difference where somebody is just being nice and polite, so it hurts less. Well, it does not. What goes up in the books is New Zealand 1, India 0, in terms of the World Test Championship, of course. So attitude is very key and i think how team new zealand the black caps backed their tactic who along with the belief and attitude won them the world test championship point number three tactics on the field you have to execute your tactical plan you strategize Inside the dressing room, and you execute the strategy owing to multiple tactics on the field. So, what is it that the two teams did differently in terms of tactics? Let's talk about Team, team India. How many times did you notice that all the bowlers, including the pick of the bowlers that was Shami, had a setup bowling spell, which means think of Stuart Broad, right? Outswinger, 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 dipping in swinger, outswinger. And the variations of this, sometimes it's the first ball which is in swinging and then five out swinging, sometimes it's the fifth ball and sometimes it's the sixth ball and so on and so forth. And that over a period of three overs or four overs, how many times, in how many spells did you see a Bumrah, a Ishant or Shami setting up a batsman to get them out? Instead, there was so much of muscle memory of one day restrictive bowling that was... Evident in their performance that it was almost predictable that you're trying to make the batsman play straight and as a result, you never got swing. The New Zealand bowlers, the Kiwi bowlers swung it like a banana on the same pitch on almost identical conditions, swung it much more than what the Indian Pacers did. Yes, there was this argument of why you didn't take Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. Well, he was unfit or couldn't have completed more overs. Well, this was a one-off test match. You're looking for 20 overs in one innings, maybe 30 overs or 40 overs in all. Did he not have enough fitness to play or bowl 40 overs in English conditions? Are you serious? And now, if that is the case, then how is he turning up for the Sri Lanka tour. So clearly who is making these tactical decisions and somewhere it has got to do with Captain Kohli, right? I mean the coach can recommend and I would imagine that Mr. Shastri has much stronger cricketing brain cricketing logic but at the end of the day, how things are in in Indian cricket, and I guess in most places, I guess is where the captain has the last word. So if the captain's tactical element and think of the horror of 2019 World Cup, where you did not even know who your number four batsman is, you leave out an Ambati Raidu and take a Vijay Shankar into a World Cup squad, it, it speaks volume of the volatility that resides in Mr. Kohli's mind, right? And clearly, this is not a Captain Kohli bashing podcast. That is not the goal. You can like a certain person for a few traits and then not like a few things as well. So what one does appreciate is Kohli's technique, his batting prowess, the way he goes about playing his cricket as a individual contributor. What one does not appreciate as much is his way or methodology or approach to captaincy. His body language is sometimes over the top and which lot of people unidentify with. And I'm sure there's a segment or section of audience which will completely identify. but. It is fair to say that it's not a black and white. It's not one or zero, that there are certain elements you definitely appreciate and certain elements you don't. And so here, it is very important to realize and know that those who are listening, this is not I Hate Virat Kohli podcast. That is not the intent, goal, or the aim of this conversation. This aim of this conversation is very simple, that when you are representing the country, arguably the one of the most popular sports for all Indians globally, then you hold the additional responsibility to play over and above. Your responsibility is to be the ad- ambassador, to be a role model. These are the things that come to you whether you like it or not. And if this is something that you doesn't sit well with you, then don't do it. Right? then just don't do it. And and you can always argue it's fair or unfair or whatever my job is to win matches and how I do it doesn't matter. That logic does not hold true when you are representing almost a billion plus people. So you have to play it in a certain way, in a certain manner, right? So tactically, were New Zealand better than India? I would imagine so. With their limitations or limited ability, I mean, think of the... South African team, say, seven ten years ago. They're always known as the bits and pieces players, and yet they consistently beat every team everywhere. And yes, they did not win the finals in many occasions. And somewhere I see a pattern emerging for Team India where we are not bits and pieces players. There are lots of talented people, but when it comes to big match players, when you stand up and show like Allah, Viv Richards or a la Vasi Makram or a la, you know, Kapil Dev, that, you know, you are the big match players. You stand up and say, this is where I want to be counted. That is a rotating number in the Indian cricket team. Sometimes it is Bumrah, sometimes it is Pant, sometimes it is somebody else, but... It's never been consistent enough. And when you fail, you're also consistently failing on the same tactics, be it team selection, leaving out Mohamed Siraj and including two spinners. And while having included them, not and then end up under bowling them. I mean, what were you thinking when you are competing for the ultimate glory? You have to try out ultimate tactics, you have to be desperate, try out different things, it could have opened with Ashwin or Jadeja, mix and match, hell I was even thinking why didn't Mr. Kohli come along for a couple of overs just to upset the rhythm of Kane Williamson, I don't know, when you want something badly, you try multiple different things. I did not see any tactical brilliance to either set up a batsman or create a situation or manufacture a wicket that Captain Coley came up with during the course of New Zealand innings. And when you compare that to what the Kiwis did, think of bringing up the fielder from uh, third man uh, closer to the slips where uh, Punt eventually got out or think of bowling short to Jadeja or Jameson bowling outside the off to Kohli. I mean, there was some thought and research and homework and analytics that has gone and they have stuck to the plan. So, are we saying Team India, of course, knows all of this, did not stick to their plans on the field? Is that the case? And if so, why is that the case? Is the team not believing what the captain has as a vision of winning the match. Is that the uber question? Is there a growing dissent in the team which is not evident on the outside because people know if you go speak against captain powerful, then you, your cricketing career is pretty much over and done with. Well, i hope and like to believe that that is not the case because you have players like Ganguly, Lakshman, Sachin, Dhoni as think tanks or sound boards or even advisors or some of them being in in position of authority to keep the sanity check or the balance of uh, of any kind of problems that might occur in the team. And if Virat Kohli has reached a stage where somehow He's finding himself to be the lone warrior, the lone soldier, soldiering along, and while other people are just listening to him because he holds the position of power, then one has to remember that you do not demand respect, you command respect. How do you command respect? By first lifting up your own performance. And it's not about centuries, right? I, mean, I admitted that in the past 47 odd innings, 20 would have been T20 matches, so getting a century there would have been little difficult. For big players, the expectations are bigger. You don't expect ordinary dismissals. You don't expect frustratingly regular, predictable dismissals one would still feel bad if Kohli got out on one or 99 or 199 right that there is no two ways about it but the manner in which you get out matters to bigger players what do I mean by that I mean that once you get an unplayable ball of the century kind of a delivery and you get out to that one kind of somehow saying well you you let it go but of say 100 dismissals or 50 dismissals if 45 of them have been to very predictable ordinary deliveries then the problem is not with the uh, the bowler the problem is with the mind of that batsman and that's something that worries me about captain Kohli. i think somewhere he needs to tactically settle down mature and listen to people who have a better cricketing sense and no harm a leader can also play the role of a servant leader. Where you always don't need to be this alpha male and lead with a mace in front. You could be standing back and pushing someone ahead and say, let Let me listen to a Narsinghia. Let me listen to a Rohit. I don't know if uh, somebody else has a better cricketing brain in, in in the team. Listen to them and say, look, let's try and do this. Well, give Ashwin the opportunity. He's been itching to show that he can do something bigger and better. And that's quite evident in his body language, right? He's, he's almost, the expression comes to my mind is, too intelligent for the game, if you will, and and well, if you, you this is the time to you know walk the talk. You have the talk now. Walk the talk. Show show it. Bring about a situation, and you've got to listen. One of the key traits of a captain tactically is to know who to listen to and how, what to pick up as good points and discard some of the bad points or ordinary points. And somewhere, Mr. Kohli, despite having been captain for a fairly long period of time is struggling to master their tactical brilliance. So I'll end this section by asking this question. Has Mr. Coley, uh, Captain Coley, reached the prime of his sinusoidal curve, the bell curve? Is he on the top of the bell curve on his... The future lies plateauing and going down. Is that how it is? Because what happened to other great batsmen at 35, 37, perhaps is happening to Kohli at 32. Have we reached that stage in his career that we have to believe? Because all of it was accelerated. He started also early, right? Under 19 World Cup. So the burnout factor could have kicked in in his mind so there could be a, as they call it in india bheja fry is in mind fried situation which he cannot when you get into this image lock situation where you cannot express yourself beyond a point you have to act a certain way people expect you to be a certain way and you can, and that's why you sometimes see a stark differential between how he is on the field and how he's off the field could be that he's Probably the nice skin Williamson kind of guy. I never thought I'd say that, but he could be, right? And, and then on the field, he has to don this cap that this is the way I understand captaincy should be, you know, lead from the front and, you know, be the superman. Well, sometimes you don't need to be the superman. All you need to do is be a nice Clark Kent and go about doing your job. Chances are you could win the World Test Championship final. On a final note, final thought, if India were to win 3-2, 4-1 in the English summer, does everything fare well then? Then are we on the right track and everything is forgotten? I'd still be worried about consistency and the common mistakes because the dissection in that English series will be how you won the matches, how you lost them. And you, you cannot paint it with a simple binary brush, one or zero, saying, at the end of it, we won, so let's forget about it. No. Champion teams replicate success. Champion teams know what the potential pitfalls could be, failures could be, and dodge around them. That's why they are the champion teams. Ordinary teams, regular teams fall into the ditch, have a moment of realization, aha moment, and then scrape their way back up to the top whereas good teams know how to skip that pitfall, work around it, right? So how you win the English summer, how you lose, if at all, the English summer will have a lot of questions. And if by any chance, India does not win the English summer, I'd imagine it's time to rethink the leadership that Team India will have for the rest of the cricketing calendar for 2021. And finally, a vote of thanks to the Black Caps team. What a champion team you have been. Not just in this instance, but over the many, many years that I've grown up watching your team. You've always remained true to class. Like they say, class is permanent and you've displayed exactly that. The way you present yourselves, not just on the field, but off the field as well. The way you have stood like true gentlemen, through quirk, of fate through stupid laws that have gone against you through many many heartache losses that have happened over the years you have been resilient and today is your day today is your moment so I cannot be more happier yes as an Indian cricket fan it hurts a lot but as a cricket fan in general I'm overjoyed to see this achievement for you I don't want to get too emotional saying all of this, but Kane Williamson, what a captain you are. You have truly led the way for a team with whatever little resources, and this is not to underestimate any of your teammates, but the way you have led, maintained harmony in the team and led them to this pinnacle of test championship is truly commendable. Ross Taylor, Watling... Saudi Bolt and all the rest of the team members Jemison who just uh, came into the side I have no words but to express my extreme gratitude for the highest quality of cricket that you have displayed for all of us to enjoy across the globe and I'm not don't want to sound like this global <laughs> something uh, but it, it is truly a joy for the true cricket lover and I'm, I'm not the only one. I'm 100% sure that there are millions and millions of new fans that you've got over the last few years, but there are some of those old fans which have been supporting your cause and secretly somewhere in the corners of the heart gave a thought that you could have won, should have won many, many more tournaments in the past. And this has been testimony of your resilience that you eventually won the biggest of them all and truly richly and well-deserved. Here's to many more for you. Well, that's all the time I had for this experience. I hope you saw the passion through (laughs) which I shared my experience on the World Test Championship. If you had any comments, suggestions, do reach out to me on my social media handles on Twitter and Facebook. It's hashtag G-Y-A-N-B-A-N on Twitter and Facebook and or send me a note, email, voicemail on the link provided below. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. This is your host, GB, and you are listening to the Ganban Experience.